0: The boys of me got a big NASA going before
1: to drive.
2: It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game.
1: Hello Orlando, you're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house Holly G, on a half hour, Golf Insiders tonight, as uh, we are uh, doing uh, getting that magic, magic game time uh, show in. We've got a special commercial free half hour to bring you tonight. Uh, courtesy of Tour Edge Exotics, Tour Edge is on fire with seven victories on tour, including six wins and nine runner-up finishes on the PGA Tour Champions, where over 50 pros have put the exotics into play. To find out more about Tour Edge Exotics, go to www.touredge.com. So, we ventured into the 2018-2019 season with Kevin Tway winning at the Safeway Open out in beautiful Napa Valley on the third playoff hole. It was Kevin's first win, again, uh, starting off with some first-time winners as we have seen the last few years in the wraparound season, these guys uh, coming out and taking advantage. Kevin, uh, I think about 30, I think he's 30, uh, used to play at Oklahoma State, and big win for him, and uh, especially his proud dad, Bob Tway, with about eight victories on the PGA Tour, another father-son combination out on the tour, and a very popular guy out there. We've got a lot of golf to talk about, some breaking news, and we're not going to waste any time. We're going to bring in our favorite golf insider, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob.
0: Hello. How are you?
1: Great. So we start right off with a first-time winner, even though Kevin Tway's been out there a while on tour, but a, a popular win, and uh, he, he got it done, you know, with Brent Snedeker uh, on his heels. Brent, though... Kind of falling apart and, you know, sort of uh, pointing the finger at himself as he finished with four bogeys on the back nine and fell out of the playoff on the first hole.
0: Yeah, really kind of shocking, actually. Um He had a five-shot lead with 11 to play. And, uh you know, he had just won in Greensboro, what, you know, six weeks ago. Uh, and, uh boy, another win like that would have been huge for him. Would have been his 10th. And PGA Tour win. Instead, he kind of, you know, left feeling you know, like he let one slip away, but that's, that's not taking away from, um, from Kevin Tway, who obviously put himself there and did what he needed to do to give himself a chance. Uh, that's why you don't don't stop. Uh, and it looked a little bleak for him, too, on the first playoff hold. He managed to make a birdie and keep it going, and one on the third playoff hole against a pretty seasoned player in uh, in Ryan Moore. So um, hats off to him. You know, he's in the Masters, uh, lots of big things ahead for guys who win on tour, going to play Kapalua. You know, and uh, it just, obviously, it's great to get done the first week out when, when the new season just hasn't started.
1: Yeah, there really are some great bennies that come with that win, and it's got to be pretty exciting to know you're going to the Masters.
0: no doubt no doubt and he's pretty much assured of uh, a couple other things too but uh he's going to be in the pga championship next year for the first time that's the major his dad won uh wouldn't be surprised to see his dad come back out and play wow still uh, allowed to play in it and uh which would be a nice story and uh but yeah a lot of other things there's some wgc's involved and you know uh, these are the things we sort of don't think about that much but uh, getting in those things is huge you know it's uh, it it helps propel you to that next level if you can sustain any level of play
1: yeah absolutely and um you know you there were there there were some there were some players in the field even though you know it was uh, obviously light but this is a popular event out there in Napa Valley, a lot of uh, entertainment that goes on, these uh, concerts that they have just, uh, you know, up the road from um, the Bay Area. And, um, you know, it's it's a popular event. I
0: think it'll get even more so um, as we get into the new schedule next year. Uh, there's There's probably going to be a little bit of a break between the tour championship ending at the end of August and then the you know, the Safeway event which it could move up a little bit on the calendar. Uh or it might if it keeps that same date it might follow another event or two. But there's gonna be a little bit more of a cushion. And you know, we're looking to see maybe two two, three weeks off depending after the tour championship before they resume, which, you know, isn't enough as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but uh I'm not winning that that battle, uh, but at least it'll give them a little bit more breathing room. I mean, to come, I mean, even if there hadn't been a Ryder Cup, you know, to start, uh, you know, really you're starting 11, 12 days after the one season ended. It's awfully hard to get a good field uh, in, in that scenario. So uh, uh, if there's a little bit more room, you know, it's a popular event. There's, if guys are playing well, or they want to keep going in the fall, why wouldn't you go out there? You know, it's uh, as we've seen, it's, uh, it's a pretty neat place.
1: So, somebody who's speaking like he's going to be cutting back and conserving his energy, and in an article you wrote on ESPN.com, Phil making some comments while he was out at the Safeway about the rough at the Ryder Cup and. That he just wasn't going to waste his time on a golf course like that anymore. What were your thoughts on Phil?
0: Well, there's some sour grapes there. I think you know uh, frustration. Um, you know, after 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 the loss. I mean, this is sort of the aftermath of the defeats these days. It's just the uh, you know the you know the it. it and to me, you know, in a, in a weird way, it does show how much they care. Um, you know that they're, they're often criticized that they don't care enough or they don't care about it like the Europeans do. I've never felt that case. I mean, they they are they're wounded after after a loss like that. And uh, you know, Phil Phil puts a lot put a lot into the Ryder Cup behind the scenes and dearly wanted to win on the road for the first time and and to come out of it and to have played so poorly. You know, I think there's a little bit of frustration that was oozing out there, um, but I mean, his his comments were, you know, I mean, I'm not sure they were exactly right on. I mean, I don't know that the fairways were as narrow as he put them out to be. Um, now the, the the rough was brutal, but it was brutal for everybody, and they knew it. They saw it the first day they were there.
1: Absolutely, you know, and like you this were... was no surprise what the Europeans were going to do.
0: No, and I mean, it's, they they have yardage books. They have they have course maps. They they played it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They saw exactly what they were in for. They knew what they had to do. And, and you know, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, it was, you know, it was tailored to the Europeans. Well, yes, it was. But it's not like the U.S. players don't play target golf courses. There's plenty of those that they play on the PGA Tour, probably no more famous than TPC. Yeah, it was a, it it was a it lot was. of
1: whining to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, now of course, the, I don't know that the rough is as deep there, but the point is, is that you know, there's a lot of shots you had to hit there to a spot, uh, and and a lot of guys were hitting to the same spot in the fairway. You know, whether you like that or not, is not the point. The point is, is that that's what was in front of you, and and you needed to, to adjust. And you know, I, I think the U.S. guys just they just didn't didn't they just didn't play well. They missed too many fairways. It was. You know, you were not going to be hitting greens and being in a good position from that rough. Uh, it was not, it was not rough that it allowed you to. I mean, if you could get it to the green, that was uh, uh, that was a chore in itself. Let alone, uh, you know, being able to hit it close and, and be in position. So, you know, that's that's the that's the nature of it. And the European players handled it beautifully. I I don't even put a whole lot of stock into them knowing the course better. They they obviously did. They clearly knew the course much better. They played it many more times because of the French Open. But you know, look, guys, guys go to majors,
1: absolutely,
0: and, and have two or three days to prepare and and do fine. And yes, yeah, sometimes you give up some some knowledge to somebody else. But the bottom line is that you know you had you know a handful of guys had gone over there to scout it. Jim Furyk had scouted it. Certainly, they discussed these things. They, you know, they they talked about, hey, this hole, that hole, this green, that green. Uh, so, um, and you know, six of the European players were in Atlanta, just like eleven of the twelve Americans were. So they they had to adjust to the time change. They had to adjust to slower greens, you know. So, uh, so um, all those things. It's, it's the bottom line is they just didn't play very well.
1: Exactly, and the Euros played great, made the putts when they needed to. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. We're talking to Bob Herrick, senior golf writer for ESPN.com. Bob's still a lot of buzz about the Ryder cup. And on Monday, our friend Tim Rosefort uh, sat down with Jim Furick, Captain Jim Furyk. Uh Something that came out of that, that I thought was interesting was uh, again, the question came up about, you know, the, the splitting up of Spieth and Patrick Reed and Furick said that basically this came as no surprise that the players knew this quite, he said, you know, in advance. Like it wasn't something that happened when they got there. However, we know, you know, they play in different pods when they're doing their practice rounds. So I found that interesting, that comment. And, of course, we know Patrick Reed said, quote, unquote, that he was blindsided by the, you know, split. Do you have any more info on that? It seems to still be, you know, I mean, we know Patrick wears his opinions on his sleeve. Um, Any, any more behind that?
0: Well, you know, Justin Thomas, who's playing in Malaysia this week. Uh, he, he was, he met with the media there, uh, today, a long time ago, now our time, but, but Wednesday. And, uh, uh, you know, basically said the same thing. They knew for weeks who they were going to be playing with, uh, and and can you imagine not telling Reed that he was going to be playing with Tiger? There's just no way that that was. If they, they were they were playing together in the practice round. They on on uh, on Thursday they were clearly uh, practicing alternate shot together. Yes. Um, you know, now even though they didn't end up playing alternate shot the first day, they played best ball. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. One, the, the one thing I might quibble with is maybe just maybe Reed was never told that he wouldn't be with Speeth at all. Maybe he maybe he felt like the you know the first day parents were him and Tiger, and then he'd get put with Spieth later. That's possible. Maybe he thought that, but for him to have not known that he was was going to be playing with Tiger first off on the first day. I mean, this, that goes against everything that this whole new U.S. Ryder Cup mandate is about. Forget the results. You know, what Phil did four years ago at Glen Eagles and what that all led to was a change in philosophy. And their, their basic mandate was is we want to have a say in who the captains are, we need there to be continuity, there needs to be a flow from one Ryder Cup to the next. And, 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 you know, basically, we're going to stay on page from the Europeans. You know, you're going to have been involved with this for a couple of times before you become the captain, and nothing, it won't be new. And we'll know you, and you'll know us. And, I mean, if you think about it, that's exactly how it's gone. Uh, You know, in 15 at the President's Cup, Stricker and Davis Love were assistants to to Jay Haas. Uh, uh, and, 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 And Tiger sort of assisted from afar. Then in '16, Davis is the captain. He's got Stricker and and Tiger uh, as, as his assistants at, at, uh, at Hazeltine. Then at uh, at the Presidents Cup last year, Stricker's the captain. Davis and and Tiger are assistants. So and and, and uh, so so in other words, they're flowing into. So was Furyk, by the way. Furyk was an assistant there, and right. was an assistant at, at Hazeltine. So well, then he's the captain. Last year at the President's Cup, we already knew Furek was going to be captain of the Ryder Cup team this year. He was an assistant last year. Tiger was one of his assistants. Everything flowed into this year. So then there was no surprise when Furek has Davis as one of his assistants. Steve Stricker, who was the captain, was his assistant. We think is going to be the next U.S. captain. Tiger's going to be the president. I mean, you can see what's happening here. They're, 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 they're developing continuity over the years. So, and now, now they've brought in a couple of new assistants and, and Zach Johnson and uh, Matt Kuchar, who you would expect would be part of this now going forward also. There should be no surprises. I, I talked to Phil um, at, the, uh, at the Northern Trust. Um, you might remember it was the first playoff event. And this was a couple of weeks before he was even named to be uh, a captain's pick. He was talking very strongly about how much the, everybody knew. It was on the same page. Everybody knew what was happening. There had already been a lot of discussions. I mean, even though he wasn't on the team, he was talking like a guy who was on the team, and it was very clear that they had a good sense of what the pairings were going to be. Then a month before the Ryder Cup, so you know, it's it's like that's that's the thing that's lost in all of this. They didn't just like. Pick names out of the hat when they got to France. Right. You know, again, I think it just goes back to, no, you know, we can quibble about a few things, certainly. Phil playing foursomes the first day instead of basketball or even playing at all was, was clearly a mistake. You know, um, did breaking up Spieth and Reed affect some other teams? Possibly. But then you go back to they started 3-1 and one in this thing. You know, if they would have been able to play better in foursomes in the afternoon – uh, you know, every points to Bubba and Webb playing poorly. Well, they won their forces match on Saturday, playing pretty well. Webb played pretty well in the Ryder Cup. You know, if they could have gotten none of those matches got past the 16th hole on Friday afternoon, by the way. So they really got smoked. But if they're able to win one of those matches, it's 4-4 it's, it's four four after that day. And I don't think there's anywhere near the angst that we've seen since. Uh, but they dug themselves a hole that they were never able to get out of, and and so of course there's all the you know the
1: aftermath. Well, as my sister would say, who is a former Badger on Wisconsin, and uh, we've got two more years as we look ahead to Kohler.
0: Yep, and you know uh, you can imagine how motivated they'll be, uh, absolutely, to, to get the job done there.
1: Yeah, and it'll be a lot of fun with Steve Stricker. As always Bob, we appreciate your time Bob Herrick from espn.com. Thanks so much thank, my friend. Thank you. All right, next up on this commercial-free half hour of the Gulf Insider's courtesy of Tour Edge Exotics, if you want to check out the hottest hottest woods on tour right now, go to touredge.com. And next, we have one of our favorites. We haven't talked to him in a few weeks. Gary Van Sickle, president of the Golf Writers Association of America. We've got some breaking news to talk to him about. Hey, Gary. How's it going,
2: Holly? You just got done saying it's commercial free, then you read a big plug for Tour Edge, which makes some pretty good stuff, so that made me laugh.
1: Well, I thought Bob was going to take up the whole half hour. You know how he can go with one question.
2: He, uh, yeah, well, I'm the same way, so uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna begrudge Bob Herrig a, a second. He always <laughs> says pretty smart stuff. So. Well, hey, I Madons know just played bad. End of period.
1: Hey, hey, in, end of
2: sentence. You, you don't have to. You can. You don't have to overanalyze it. It didn't matter who played with who. Seven of those twelve guys were playing bad, and that's that. That was the, that was it. Didn't matter.
1: So I agree. So we do have a big day in golf today. First of all, to no surprise. To most of us, I think, player of the year, Brooks, Kepka, your thoughts on Brooks well, if you win two majors,
2: you're player of the year, unless somebody dropped the mic somebody else who won a major also won like seven times, so it's hands down we've we've got the emphasis on majors now, so yeah, at the slam dunk, I know I read somewhere where somebody was trying to make a case for Justin Rose, and like, really, it's not.
1: Not even that close. Cup is
2: not a tournament; it's a title, and he didn't even win. I mean, yeah. Now Brooks' cap is your play of the year, and speaking of guys who didn't, you know, bring it at the Ryder Cup, there, there was another one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you seen this video with DJ and Brooks talking about fighting over the Jack Nicklaus Trophy? I guess I, I just didn't saw see a...
2: that video, but I saw one where I saw one where Jack Nicklaus sneaked up on him with Nicklaus the trophy and. Tapped him on the shoulder, and Brooks wasn't nearly as surprised as he should have been. But I don't know Uh, if he he knew it was coming or not. But I I didn't see him and Dustin now.
1: I don't I I don't think he's going to be acting anytime soon. They they were it was pretty bad. But um, he's no no Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So the other big news was the announcement. I know you were very involved with this of the inductees into this year's World Golf Hall of Fame. Um, Some some great nominees on that list.
2: Yeah, I was uh Monday I flew down to West Palm Beach Monday and drove down to the Bears Club in Jupiter and I was part of the sixteen person committee that voted uh on a on fifteen nominees who had been selected by a subcommittee of twenty people, which is sorted media, PJ tour types, Hall of Famers. So our committee included four Hall of Famers, Jack Nicholas Gary player Annika and Nancy Lopez, and then of all the heads of state, the heads of the tours, uh, or their fill-ins. You know, Jay Monahan was there. Sean, uh, Sean. I always want to call Seth Waugh Sean. I don't know why. Uh, Seth Waugh, the new uh, leader of the PGA of America. Um, and Jay um, Monahan,
1: right? Did you say too?
2: Yeah, Jay was there, and Mike Wan couldn't make it, but uh, Heather Daly Donafrio was there for the LPGA. We had uh, Ian Carter, the golf writer from Britain, and you know, International Group Nikki uh, um, from the Japan Golf Federation. She's real nice, forgetting her last name. But so we had a we had a dinner Monday night, and then which was informal. And Tuesday morning we got down to tax and looked at the 15 nominees and had discussions on each group of uh, selections. And we wound up we came up with. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun because it's all off the record, and I can't give you any good inside the room stories because I'm not allowed to because we
1: ah oh, you know, come on,
2: we 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 criticize some people, but you know Jack Jack Nicholas did say that uh, you know of the, the whole group, you thought the the group of the uh, lifetime achievement nominees uh, were, was the best of the bunch. So And yes. he was right. It's a yeah, very and all three of them got in. There were three lifetime achievement that was. Dennis Walters, Yeah, uh, one of my Billy very Payne, good friends. And, yeah, and uh, unfortunately, belatedly, we should have come sooner. But Peggy Kirk Bell finally got in, and then we also voted in Retief Goosen, who had two U.S. Opens, and uh, Jan Stevenson, who had a heck of a career and uh, was a big star in the seventies and eighties, uh, besides on and off the golf course. So there's your five nominees, and it wasn't the strongest class of, I mean, five inductees. There wasn't the strongest class of nominees, but. Uh, they just changed the minimum age, uh, the, the entry age, from 40 to 50, so that kind of left a gap. We had, uh, you know, somebody like Phil Mickelson; he's 48. In two years, he would be eligible next time, except he got in when he was 40. So we, we, the the nominee list was a little short, but that's what we came up with. And I, you know, I still Susie Burning was a nominee. She won three women's U.S. Opens, and I said in the meeting like. She three U.S. Opens. Everybody who's won three U.S. Opens is in the Hall of Fame, including one person who's sitting here, which is Annika. Uh, and they're all in the Hall, and Susie should be, too, just because, you know, three 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 majors is three majors. But there were, there were too many people on, on the uh, – too many good nominees, and she didn't get in. But I'm pretty sure she's going to get in, in next time in two years, so hopefully –
1: we're talking oh, to Gary Van Sickle from the MorningRead.com, as well as our esteemed president of the Golf Writers Association of America, Dennis Walters, just one of my favorite people in golf. He was an aspiring tour player uh, at the age of 24 when he had a golf cart accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. I have seen many, many of Dennis's uh, trick shot shows, he was told he would you know, never play golf again, and uh, with the help of his father, Bucky, at the time, um, you know, built a golf cart that had a swivel seat, and uh, he's been entertaining people worldwide for, you know, 25 years. Dennis is an amazing story. He is.
2: Gary Player has seen him and was a big advocate for him. He, uh, he he saw him recently somewhere. He was upset because uh, it was at some pro event, and he said not one of the pros went over there afterward tell him what a great job he did or do that I admired him. And he said, Terry said he told his grandson to get over there and tell that man how great how great how much you admire him. He's you know, and so his grandson did and. I know uh, Gary had called. Uh, I think Gary may have called Dennis. I'm not sure about this. When he to tell him he was nominate, going to be a nominee, and that was like the greatest moment of Dennis's life. And then they decided to have Gary call him after the voting to tell him Tuesday morning that he'd been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, you know, he and Gary had a, you know both cried their eyes out. So uh, they were it was a big moment for for both of them, It's great for Dennis Walters. And I. <laughs> They better make sure in the induction ceremony they put him last because Dennis Walters is going to steal the show. It won't be a dry eye in the house. It's going to be a good moment of the whole thing. Not that the other people aren't worthy, but he's the guy that you're going to walk away going, "Wow, what a what a speech, what a what a moment." Uh he's 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 it's great. That's the kind of that's the kind of person that should be in the Hall of Fame and it makes you makes you want to go to the Hall of Fame and look around and See some learn learn about somebody like that if you ever get on to St. Augustine. It's he's uh, everyone's going to be glad he got in. I think
1: absolutely. He's I consider myself very fortunate to call him a good friend. Uh, he is one of only eleven honorary lifetime members of the PGA of America, and at the U.S. Open this year at Shinnecock, he was the recipient of the Bob Jones Award. So. He's having a fantastic year, well-deserved. And if you've never seen a Dennis Walters show, look him up online. Um, It is truly, I I could watch it every single time. And, of course, he's got his rescue dog that uh, knows all kinds of trivia. And he's also just the most amazing dog trainer I've ever met because how he teaches these, these dogs that he's had to do all this trivia, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, he does. Gary Player was amazed. He says he'll be, he'll ask, he'll ask his dog, how many majors has, how many uh, opens has Gary Player won, and the dog will go woof, woof, yeah. woof. Yeah. That's right, three. Yep. So how does he do that? We don't know. But no, I have it, no idea. Adds to the show, and
1: and then he'll uh, he, turn right around and say, story. how many Masters has Tiger Woods won, and he barks them out. It's absolutely yeah. just the greatest show ever. And I do want to mention uh Jan Stevenson someone we both know very well someone who's always uh, been uh you know it, it instrumental in the LPGA's growth as well as just inspiring for a lot of women like myself in the game who after golf went on to be an incredible businesswoman uh as a as an architect she's you know got her own wine business now i think also a distillery she's making uh, I, i'm not sure what um rum maybe Uh, with uh, all kinds of flavors from Australia. So Jan uh, doesn't let the grass grow under her feet. She recently purchased a a golf course over in the Tampa area. She's doing all kinds of things for the veterans. And a big shout-out to Jan because uh, she is well-deserved, finally, into the World Golf Hall of Fame.
2: She she was the biggest name in women's golf. Uh, She and Nancy Lopez were neck and neck. She didn't have quite the career Nancy had, but she had a really good career. She's definitely worthy on the as a player, and she did uh, the off the course stuff where she got the LPGA on the front page there for a while. So, and you know, her, her career was cut short. She got a mug going to a Miami Heat basketball game, and they think uh, think they were st- stole the ring off her finger and taken it off. They they, they gouged her finger and sm- broke it a couple different they did. ways. Uh, so uh, and that really that really kind of ended uh she was never the same player after that, so yeah, it's a real shame so yeah i'm glad I'm glad she got in she keeps she's come close before, and now she's in, and everybody's happy
1: that's the truth well Ger, uh it's been a pleasure, thank you for uh getting us up to speed here as we're coming to uh, you know sort of the quiet time of the year, even though we're in the wrap around season, but um Still a lot of news breaking in our golf world. Gary Van Sickle, thank you, my friend. Thanks a lot, Holly. And thank you to Tour Edge for this special half hour of the Golf Insiders. Check out the Tour Edge exotics at touredge.com, the hottest club out on the tour, the Champions Tour, over 50 players playing Tour Edge exotics, including Scott McCarran, who's on his way to possibly win the Charles Schwab Cup and take it all on the Champions Tour this year. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Holly G, I've got a tee time. I gotta go. We love you. Bye-bye.